Well, good morning to you. Holy moly. I think that's a religious term. Holy moly, what great worship. Amen? Wow, come on. Praise God again. That's awesome. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being so good and so gracious. We're so glad that you're here today. Thank you for coming. You know, in spite of the weather last week, we had a great Sunday, had a great number turnout for such horrible weather. But isn't God good to give us a clear Sunday now? And we're so glad that you're able to make it today. And to our guests, we just want to say thank you for coming, and we pray you'll be blessed today. Hey, we're in a a four-week series that we're entitling the 4G Challenge. And last week, we talked about gathering, the first G. And we talked about the birth of the church. Um, We talked about the promise of the church and the birth of the church. And then we talked about really what the church should look like. And I took the word safe and the word scar and used as acronym for some attributes of the church and then finished up in Hebrews chapter 10. It was really pretty challenging. It was really pretty challenging because, you know, the church is to be an encouraging group of people Followers of Christ who come together. This the ecclesia. Church is not a building. Church is a people. We don't go to church. We are the church. We are the church. So, so that was hopefully very challenging. But you may have left going, how do we do that? And I, I'm already starting going, okay, God, you're doing something big here. Because today we talk about growth. In fact, as you see the sermon title, title there, Miracle Growth. How do I be the, the church that individually that God wants me to be, and how collectively do we be that church? Now, if you're a gardener, or if you watch television, or if your spouse is a gardener, you're familiar with the product miracle Grow. Now, I know if you're going to put that slide up, please. There you go. Y'all have seen this on TV. You see it at Walmart. And they make some extra, uh, just wonderful claims, some wild claims about if you use miracle Grow, you get some really great results. And go ahead and show the next picture there. And here's a picture. If you use the, the one on the far, let's see, my right, your left, I guess. <laughs> it shows it, that that would be, um, you know, that would be like normal soil, like natural soil. And the middle one would be a tomato plant. This is by miracle Grow. The middle plant is one that's put in potting soil, which is you know more enriched. And then the last one is the one that has miracle grow in it. And you see all these spe- spectacular results. Now, that assumes, of course, like Patty, I said, Patty, do you know what miracle grow is? Back there in the sound booth. Yeah, I do. Said, I buy it, implying I'm not sure I always use it. And, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not a grant. I'm not, I mow the grass and trim the stuff, you know. But Pooter is the one who does all the, all the planting. I know she uses miracle grow. And we have seen some really incredible, credible growth. So here's the deal. The truth is that how do we be the church that God wants us to be? How individually do we make up that ecclesia and be what we ought to be? And the truth is, it takes a miracle. It takes miracle growth. So if you'll take your Bibles, please, and turn to 2 Peter and chapter 1 and verses number 1 through 11 today. I think your sermon sheet says 12. It's 1 through 11. This is perhaps one of the most exciting scriptures I have studied and looked at a long time. The more I studied, the more exciting I got about the wonderful, wonderful truths um, that we find in here. Now, rarely do I say if you're a, if you're a note taker, take notes. You know, if, if, if you're not a note taker, today be a good day to start. But I really, I really, really hope that you will pay close attention today and just get a pencil in that, in that sermon sheet that's in your bulletin and maybe just take a few notes. I honestly believe that Peter, uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has laid down a wonderful process that we, a system, if you will, that we can grow to be who God wants us to be. Now, again, normally I don't do this, but I would like to read the entire scripture before we start teaching it. Pause for a prayer and ask God to do some miracle growth 
in our life today. So are you there? Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1 through 11. Um, I've got the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Really cool today. I brought my iPad because, as you know, my, my regular Bible is a New King James Bible. I, I preach from several different versions. And uh, so I brought my iPad so I could read the scripture in its entirety off the iPad. And then Mike Oshel walks up to me and says, hey, here's a gift from Matt. They gave him this. And uh, he doesn't use this particular translation. And guess what translation it was? Holman Christian Standard Bible. How about that? Is that cool? So rather than an iPad, you get to see the real deal. Here we go. Simon Peter, a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal privilege with ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, Endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, and there's our growth thought, and are increasing, they will keep you from being useless and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly supplied to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so very, very much for this wonderful passage of Scripture. And Father, I want to pray Holy Spirit, that you feel very much at home here today. Because we understand that it's not the presenter. It's not the words that I speak. It is you working in the hearts of people and the word of God that, that brings about the change that we need. I believe, Father, and I believe it's scriptural, that is your desire from what we read today, that every one of us increase in our knowledge of you growing thereby in these wonderful truths. And so grew, growing, we become, Father, that ecclesia, both individually as members of your church, your body, and also co- corporately, we become that ecclesia, that church that you desire us to be. And Father, for my friend here today, who may be the first time sitting in church and, and may have never heard of God's amazing grace, they've already heard it wonderfully sung about in worship. Father, may they be drawn to you um, by your wonderful power to come into a saving relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. So thanks, God, for what you're about to do in your word. And I pray in your precious name. Amen. And all God's people said, amen. Great. Let's take a look, please, at verse number one, thinking again, miracle grow. Now, now again, this, this text, and I, I'm going to do my very best not to preach longer than your bottom can endure. Okay. 
But the truth is, this scripture is so full of meaning. Um, look, for instance, at the first words. Where it says, Simon Peter. Now, look what he says. A slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, you know that's really Simon Peter. When, you know, when Jesus said, you're, the, you know, you're, you're, our, you're Simon, and upon the truth of the fact that you declare that I am the Messiah, the Son of God. You know, he was a rock star in the early church. I mean, he had high... I mean, people, when he came to town, people said, oh, look, there's Peter. So Peter had this great, great privilege of position that he had. He was this rock star in, in, early, in the early church. But notice what he says. He doesn't say Peter the rock star. He says Peter the slave. And one thing I love about the Holman Christian Standard Bible is the way they translate this word. Because most likely your translation says something like servant and something like bondservant. But, but whenever I do my study and I see that word slave, and it's, it's uh, doublos, I think it is in Greek, you know, that pops up with a little window. And the, and the authors of the Holman Christian Standard, the translators of the, of the Holman Christian Standard Bible say, now wait, we don't use this because we're insensitive. Because, you know, slavery in America carries a very negative connotation because of what happened in the 1800s. Because of the way people were abused and hurt in slavery there. They, we don't do it out of insensitivity. But we feel there is no way to accurately translate this word using bondservant or servant. So they have chosen to use that word slave. And it means someone who is fully devoted to serving another and putting aside their own desires. Someone committed to fully serving another and putting aside their own desires. Now, if you're a brand new Christian, this might be new to you. But if you've been around a while and heard a variety of preachers, you've got some news coming. You you know this, that if you're going to be a a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to put self aside. I think, matter of fact, I think Jesus said something like this. You have to deny yourself and follow me. So you need to become, and you are, if you follow Christ, although you may not know it, you are a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then look what Peter says. Then he says, I'm an apostle. So notice what he first says. He first says, I'm a slave. Then he says, I'm an apostle. And the time this is written is Peter near the end of Peter's life. I mean, he's at the epitome of the fact that he's an apostle. Again, he's a rock star. He's super apostle. He says, long before I'm a super apostle, I am a slave of Jesus Christ. Would you write that down, please? Remember, you know, we are, where's our dear brothers who so blessed our hearts? We are sinners saved by grace. You're going to hear that several times. Did not know what they're going to sing before this morning. I asked, uh, I asked uh, Tyler and I'm blown away. I heard him practice. I said, wow, God, what an awesome song. So write it down. We are slaves of Jesus Christ. Now, yes, we're bond slaves in the sense that we willingly receive Jesus Christ, but we are slaves indeed. Then he goes on and says this. Simon Peter, a slave and and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal privilege to ours. Pause. He's saying he's writing to people who obtained a faith equal with theirs. Now, the cool part is this. The faith that Simon Peter had... Is the same faith we have today. Okay? Isn't it cool? Now, I'm, I'm already talking to Judy. You know, she was going to buy me something really nice for my birthday. And I tried something and didn't like it. I said, why don't I just claim a rain check on the birthday present. And maybe later on when the new iPhone comes out. You know, maybe I'll claim that present then, you know. See, I, I'm taking a rain check. Now, guess what? There will be an iPhone 6. You know why? Because they've not perfected it. There'll be an iPhone 7, iPhone 8, iPhone 9, iPhone 10. They'll keep going to progress. Well, listen, have you noticed something? There's not an upgrade on faith. You, you, don't, see, you don't see the illustration of coming next week, a new gospel. Come, coming next week, a new faith. 
No, the faith is the same because God got it right the first time. And that's good to know. That's good to know that he didn't have to send out an upgrade. But what's really beautiful is, is that word obtained. In the Greek, and write this down, in the Greek it means by lot. To be obtained by lot. And really emphasizes something. That salvation, the gospel, is all the doing of God. He chose us. He saves us. He keeps us. All we could do is say yes. That's it. Now you need to write that down. Because some of you are still wrestling with the fact that you think you've got to gain God's favor. Um, that somehow, and some of you unfortunately might believe, well, you know, I was so good that God was done a favor when I said yes to Jesus. No, 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 no. No, no. God did you the favor. Because you're a sinner saved by grace. God in His rich mercy reached down and by His grace and forgave you your sin. So Peter says, you've obtained by God's choice, by God's calling, this wonderful salvation. And he says, this faith of equal privilege uh, with ours through the righteousness. Write down the word through and put down on the basis of. On the basis of. Because of. See, we are saved today because of His righteousness. The Bible says, I love it, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, where, the, where uh, Paul writes and says this. He who knew no sin, who would that be? Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. So if you are a Christ follower, if you're in relationship with God, if you call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ, if you in fact are part of the family of God, you came one way, by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Hugely, hugely important. There's nothing that you can do to gain righteousness. You can't gain God's favor. If you're here today and you say, Boy, I wish I, was, I wish I knew I was going to heaven. I wish my sins were forgiven. Well, it comes because of faith in Jesus Christ. And there you get the righteousness of God. So through or on the basis of the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, love verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. And this is so good. This is so good. Yes, it's a standard greeting, but it goes so much deeper than that. You see, grace and peace. When you receive God's grace, you get peace with God. Before, before we are saved, okay, before we're forgiven, we are an enemy of God. You didn't know that, did you? When outside of the grace of God, we're an enemy. But when we receive the grace of God, we have peace with God. His grace was sufficient to forgive our sins and bring us into the family. And then after we have this, this uh, experience of grace and salvation, it doesn't stop there. He just keeps applying grace to our lives. Some of you discovered the grace of giving, the grace of loving, the grace of forgiving, the grace of healing, the grace of teaching. All these different graces that God gives us. He gives us grace to live. And when you do that, when you understand that, you start having peace of God. It's not that your life became perfect. It's not that all of a sudden your, you know, your illness is gone. It's not that all of a sudden you have a job. But when you start understanding that grace is actively working in your life, even after salvation, you have this wonderful peace of God. And then Peter says, now, to grow in Christ, don't let that stop. Understand, let it be multiplied to you, the understanding of grace and salvation, because that keeps you understanding who you are in Christ. And grace as you live. And that will help you grow as Christ wants you to grow. Let it be multiplied in you. Guess what? Through, on the basis of, the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, when we know we're going to say knowledge, what do we think? Learning. Am I right? We think about learning. It's not that. 
It's speaking about, in this context in the Greek, it's speaking about an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's intimacy with Jesus. It's intimacy with God. How? Through grace and peace. Through God's grace, we have a personal and intimate relationship on the basis of a personal and intimate relationship. So grace and peace is multiplied in our life on the basis of what? Our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now you need to write that down. It's not peace doesn't listen. Peace doesn't come to you as a follower of Christ by good circumstances. Peace comes to you in spite of your circumstances. I mean, that is just way huge. So, so Peter says, I want this grace and peace, salvation uh, and the peace with God and living grace with the peace of God. I want to be multiplied through, to you through your understanding of your relationship with God. You know, I still love that Abba Father. And I so appreciate Dave when he said that day in our office. You know, there really isn't a good word for Abba. It doesn't literally translate Daddy. But the closest word we have in the English language is that we can call God the Father Daddy. And that's just incredible, that intimacy, that closeness. It doesn't take away from His majesty. It doesn't take away from His power, His glory, His holiness. It just speaks about how much He loves us. How much incredibly he loves us. How, how awesome is that? Then we move down to verse number three. Now, again, simplicity, but don't miss the truth. The first three words in the Holman Christian Standard is his divine power. Now, if we're talking about power and we have the word his there, how much of it is ours? Say zero. Zero. There's none. Okay. So whatever he's fixing to say means that God does it, not us. What he's fixing to say, God does it, not us. His divine power has given us everything. Say everything. Now see, once again, God didn't do it halfway. He didn't say, okay, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to give you enough power to halfway live the life. I'll do half if you... We think this. I'll do half if you do half. I'll do 60 if you'll do 40. I'll do 70 if you do 30. That isn't scriptural. God does it all. He empowers us. Read this. I mean, it's wonderful. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. Now, you see that word given? Even that is special. The Greek carries the idea of, of to bestow, to bequeath. Um, imagine if we decided, and boy, I'd be the first one tonight, Brent, after last week's celebration. I, I pulled him, in his, I went to his office. I said, I need to tell you something. You blessed my socks off last week. I said, that just may go down as one of my favorite birthdays in my entire life. He goes, really? <laughs> I really did, didn't I tell you that? But you know, so, so, so I would want to knight Brent today. So if I were to take Brent and pull him down and put him on his knees, would you trust me with a sword? You know, and, and you, touch, you touch his shoulders on his side and say, I hereby knight him. Now, now what am I saying? What, what the queen is saying when she knights a person is she's saying, in my eyes, I give you this honor. In my eyes. The word there, the word for given us is the word bestow. That God is bestowing, that God is giving. It speaks of the uh, immensity of the gift he's about to speak about. It's, it's not the norm. It's so cool. It's not the normal word for give. It's bigger than that. 
So, so Peter says, so the divine power has bestowed upon us everything required. That is so cool. So whatever it is that you need to have spiritual vitality, the word life, or godliness, which is godly living, whatever you need to be vibrant in your life, okay, whatever you need to live this Christian life, he gave you. That, and listen, guys, this is huge. I'm telling you, because that means that whatever it is you're struggling in your life, he's already given you the power to overcome it. That's huge. Because how many of us struggle with different areas in our life? And we say, I can do it. I think I can. I think I can. And the truth is, we can. Now, we do have a part. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. We have a part, but it's his power that enables to do this thing called spiritual vitality and also a spiritual living or godly living. Okay? See, God never called us to a boring Christian life. See, I, you know what? I got, I, I got to tell some of y'all right behind me in this growing old thing. You know, like Tom Francis right behind me. A couple of others are right behind me. It didn't hurt. You know, I really, I thought I'd like wake up on January the 6th, you know, and like not be able to get out of bed. It was painless. In fact, I like what Jenny says. I'm just a 60-year-old trapped in a 40-year-old, no, 60-year-old body in a 40-year-old head. You know, I really thought, I mean, I, you know, life is great. Life is good. Life is wonderful. There's a vitality in the Christian world. God doesn't want you to live your life with him going through, oh, it's just whole drum. He wants us to have a vibrant Christian life. And he's given us everything required for that vibrant life and to live a godly life. I love that. He goes on and says this, through, on the basis of, come on, say it, on the basis of the knowledge Think intimate relationship, not head knowledge. The intimate relationship. We had this, this wonderful gift because of our relationship with him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Now, again, it's, I just love studying this message today. Glory and goodness speak of the attractiveness of Jesus. Now, did you ever notice something? Wherever Jesus went, people flocked to him. When he tried to sneak away... They found him. I mean, people, here he was, God in the flesh. Of, of all people, you know, perfect as he was, you know, they would feel uncomfortable. They didn't feel uncomfortable around Jesus. He had this magnetism about him where people were drawn to him. They were drawn to him. And, and in the Greek, again, I don't think by the way I've come overnight Greek expert. I haven't, but there's so much good stuff in the commentary where this came from. Okay. His divine power has given us everything required for life and goodness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. He draws us. He pulls us by that. See, you didn't get saved because you were seeking God. God was seeking you. Now, let me ask you a question. Pretend like I've got a gigantic magnet here and I got a piece of metal here. Is the metal pulling the magnet or is the magnet pulling the metal? Which one? The magnet pulls the metal. You need to understand something. You are drawn to Christ. If you're here today as a believer, there came a time in your life. If you're a true believer, there came a time in your life when God pulled you to himself. And people are flocking to Jesus. And people flock to Jesus today because there's just something different about him. He's not just dead religion. He is the living, vibrant son of God who loved us so much. He died on a Roman cross. So, so we had this, this pull of this goodness and glory. By these, by the goodness and glory, He has given us 
very great and precious promises. Are there promises in the word of God? Come on, are there promises in the word of God? Yeah. But these are particular. And I'll tell you why we know this. Look where it says, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, on the basis of them, you may share in the divine nature. So these are very great promises. And I think the two primary ones are this. The promise that he has given us victory over death and victory over sin. That's how we share in the divine nature. Because he, one, died on the cross, defeating death for the believer. He didn't leave us and say, again, I'm going to forgive your sins from this point forward. But everything else you do, you're on your own, baby. I hope you make it. He gives us the power to overcome sin. If you are a Christian today, in you dwells by God the power to be victorious over sin. That's a good place for an amen. And, and now we don't know this. You know, Mary Rivera's mama passed away yesterday. She's experienced victory over death. By faith we see it. She saw it by sight. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I told her she had to be 90-something years old. But that's nothing compared to eternity. She is more alive today than she's ever been before. Why? Because of the great promises of God. One day she experienced the fact that, she, that Christ died for sin. And through Christ she has victory over sin. And she also has victory over death now. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, crave, where's your victory? How wonderfully powerful that is. So he says this. He says that you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that's in the world because of evil desires. Because of the power of Christ, we can escape the evil pull. Now you say, well, Dwayne, I'm not doing a very good job. That's what the sermon's all about. You can't do a very good job. If you find yourself constantly stumbling into sin, you probably can't overcome that. It takes something bigger than that. Now we may control our appetites for a while. You know, we may control certain lusts for a while. But true victory comes in the power of God, not us. Not us. Well, wonderfully powerful. Now, if there is a peak in this scripture, this is it. It is so wonderfully powerful. Peter says this. Now, I'm going to read the whole scripture again. I'm trying to get the context of the whole scripture. For this very reason, what we just heard, make every effort with all zeal, all passion, all commitment, with all zeal, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, Goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. So Peter says we are to bring alongside our faith, and there are seven wonderful Christian attributes. Now again, in the commentary, this so rung a bell with me. The commentary said, in this paragraph, Peter paints this beautiful picture of a symphony of grace. Isn't that beautiful phraseology? A symphony of grace. A symphony of the graces of God working in our lives. And so cool is, the commentator didn't come up with that all on his own. Because it's really cool, because the word supplement, if you've got the uh, New King James or the King James, you have the word add. Here's what's really cool. Whether it's supplement or add, whatever word it is in your translation that they use to translate that Greek word, that is the Greek word where we get our word course or to choreograph. And it supplements the idea of this symphony of grace. So Peter says that 
Faith is the, the melody line of a song. For instance, I've asked Beth, uh, Beth, <laughs> we did it again, girl, go. We're going to change Tyler's name to Matt, and she's going to become Bethany. All right? All right? So, so I've asked Jen to come up. Now, this, what she's fixing to play represents faith in our lives. And you recognize that as? Amazing grace. That's right. That's good now. Now, Beth. Now, Beth. <laughs> I'm going to do it. It's a done deal now. It's cooked. All right. So, so, so there we see faith. Now, faith sets us apart. You understand that? Remember where Abraham, and again, if you're a little, little bit about your Bible, you know, Abraham was this pagan that God calls out. I mean, he didn't even know about God. He was totally pagan. And here's the deal. What it says about Abraham is this. That Abraham believed God. Abraham had faith in God, and God counted to him as righteousness. So, so through faith, we gain the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that is stellar. That is wonderful. Then Peter says, start adding these attributes. Okay? Now listen to what happens when Jenny plays now another note with that first note. Hear it? The harmony. Now isn't, is, now, now, isn't that more full? Now, now, now watch this. Now listen. Now she's going to add the third part. Hear it? This is so powerful. See, it's more full, more meaningful, more powerful. Then, and we won't make you play seven parts... But then, of course, in four-part harmony, is the fourth part. Listen as she adds the fourth part now to that. That's great. All right, thank you, Jen, so much. Give her a round of applause for coming out and being part of the sermon today. That is so awesome. So what Peter is saying, that when he says add, when he says supplement, he goes, we're going to write a symphony. I'm going to show you how to go beyond just the faith. And he says he does this by adding seven parts to the music. Seven additional instruments to the symphony of grace. And really, these words, he, he, he says it without any explanation. He simply says this. Now, to that faith, we're going to add some harmony. And the harmony we're going to add is goodness. Goodness. That simply means moral living. He said, add to, now now add to that moral living. It's so cool. I'll try to get this right. I wasn't going to add this, but I think I will because I think it's cool. In ancient Greece, when the state would establish a course, then they would hire a director. It was the director's job to provide for the chorus that the state had established. Later on in, in Greek culture... This word was used, that idea in this word was used to say to provide for the need of someone. To provide for someone. In the same way, now we have everything. God has given us the goodness and the grace and all of that. But now he says it's up to us as the director of our, our own lives, as our bodies, that we are to add these things, to some of these things. So he says you're to add moral living. So if you, if you want to grow in Christ... We've got to ask God, God, implement this in our lives. Let goodness be a part of my life. Then he goes on and says this, and then you need to have knowledge. Now, this is funny. This is the word knowledge. Through the Holy Spirit, we focus on two things, Jesus Christ and the Word. And Jesus is the living Word. 
He is the Word. So add to that a hunger, a hunger for the Word of God. Now listen, 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 listen. A hunger for Jesus. Pause. Is there a hunger for Jesus? Is there a hunger for Jesus? How powerful is that? So he says, add to goodness and then knowledge and then self-control. Controlling our passions. Controlling our appetites. And again, it may be some kind of a lustful thing. It may be a physical appetite. We have control over the things. Anything that's in our life that's out of control is not a good thing. Unless it's love and passion for Jesus. And you can't beat that. So he says, so add self-control to these things. And, and once you get self-control, add endurance. Perseverance. Never, write this down, it's going to be good. Never giving in and never giving up. Never giving in, never giving up. Those two things. Add to your life a certain kind of endurance. And then we have endurance, add godliness. And godliness is a respect for God. A respect for God. Understanding that He's the boss and you're not. Understanding that He's the creator and you're the creation. Understand that when you become a Christian, He is the king of your life. So add that to your life. He goes on and says this, Godliness with brotherly affection. And that means this, Passionately caring for one another. Does that sound familiar? Wasn't that last week's message? Add to this. Remember, he gives us all things. So add to this. Decide in your life that you're going to passionately care for one another. And then he says this. He says, not only um, are we have brotherly love or brotherly kindness to each other. Then we are to add into, if I'm by my place. All right. There we have brotherly affection. Brotherly affection with what? Love. I love this. Again, I wish I could say it's mine. It's not. Desiring the best for another. All right, pause. If that was action in your life, as a believer in Jesus Christ, desiring the best for another, how did that change your marriage? How did that change your marriage? Husbands, if we truly desire what was best for our wives, how would that change our marriage? Hey, wives, if we truly desire what was best for our husbands, how would that change our marriage? As parents, if we truly desire what is best for our children, not what they want, not what we want because we're living our second childhood out, but truly what was best for them, how would that change our parenting? How would it change our families? How would it change our jobs? How would it, how would it change our church if we truly loved in that way? So Peter says, take your faith, which is the melody line, and add these seven attributes in. Choose to add these sets. Now, again, if I ask Brent to give me $1,000 right now, he, he may be able to write a check for it. I don't know. But, but he probably doesn't have $1,000 in your wallet. It would be not kind of me to ask him to give me something he could not provide. It would be unkind of God to ask us to add something unless we have it. We have it, folks. What we've got to do, our part is saying, yes, I will add this to my life. That's what Peter says. Let this symphony play out in your life. Add the harmony. And again, just like you heard Jenny play, what was more beautiful? The single line or the multi-line? And truly, you'd say the multi-line. Harmony is beautiful. When we start growing in our faith, the harmony that we're going to have is much more beautiful than the single line. If you think just, yes, I know Jesus and that's enough is good, start adding these attributes. And my daughter's in children's church, so I'll say it. It gets gooder. She's an English teacher. It gets gooder and gooder and gooder. And one day it finally gets to the goodest. And that's called heaven. 
I know that's bad grammar, but I used it for emphasis. Now, watch this, watch this. Verse 8. Now, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, if you decide to let these qualities, these harmony, these, these instruments come into your symphony of life, and if they're growing, he says, if they're, and they're increasing, they will keep you from being useless and unfruitful in the personal relationship, knowledge again, the personal relationship of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is so good. I hope I'm, boy, let me know if I get this happily straight, okay? So we have this, our relationship with God by faith. And that's good. We can go to heaven, you know? Now, now when difficult circumstances come, we kind of may want to wince, you know? God, where are you? And God, why'd you allow this? And why God and this God? And God, you love me? And, and God, you let me down, all that. If you just stay with the faith. But Peter says, if we start adding these attributes... Our Christian relationship, excuse me, our relationship with Jesus Christ gets richer and richer and richer and richer and richer. We benefit, but so do the people around us. Imagine an ecclesia, imagine a body of Christ where these goodness and knowledge and self-control and endurance and godliness and affection and love are all played out. We would be talking building programs. Because that is so unusual in this world today. People would go, I don't know what they got, but I want it. Remember I told you how people were attracted to Jesus? Why do people run from church? Okay, that's a fair question. Maybe we got the faith right, but we're not playing the symphony. And what would happen if we played the symphony in our lives? I wonder if Jesus' glory and goodness would shine forth and like a magnet, he would be drawn not to us, to them. He would pull them in into his family. Now, verse number nine is powerful. Only you know if you're here. Now, the person who lacks these things. Now, he's writing to Christians, there's no doubt, because of the next phrase. The people who have faith, but are not allowing those seven attributes to be played out and writing the symphony, allowing the full symphony to play. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted. Now, if I'm wrong, Benna, just forgive me. I wanted to ask her of this, but I, I think if you're short-sighted, if you're nearsighted, you can see close up, but you can't see far away. Yay! Boom, boom! All right. All right, so, so a person who don't have these things is blind and short-sighted. Now, here's... Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. So, a person who don't have these things is short-sighted. They can see everything right here. They can see I'm a Christian, and I'm saved, and I'm forgiven, but they can never see beyond that. It's a lot of us. Us four, no more. It's all about me. Because I'm short-sighted. I'm a Christian. I've got faith. I've got the first... I've got the, I got the melody line. i got the melody line. I have been... And by the way, it says this. I might as well read it. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. So this person is a Christian. There's no doubt about that. But he's so short-sighted, all he can see is about me. 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 Now, you know what? If we're supposed to be like Jesus... There is nothing more un-Jesus-like, perhaps, than selfishness. 
And if all you have is, is your, your faith line and you'd not add the symphony, these seven attributes, he says you're... Now, he says, I didn't... This is one of those times Peter doesn't mince words. I don't have to explain it from the Greek or nothing. He says, you are, if that person is blind and short-sighted, and here's the cause. They've forgotten that they're cleansed from their sins. That's why the special that the two guys sang before this message is so important. It's important to remember that we are sinners saved by grace. Now, time out. Don't, I'm nothing but a worm. Nothing but a sinner. Go beyond that. Remember that you were a worm. That's what the psalm says, for such a worm as I. I think they changed it now because that was too offensive, they said. That we, we were sinners. We were outside the family of God. We were reprobates toward God. We were alienated from God. We were subject to the wrath of God. But they saved us. And we went from being alienated to close family. We were no longer reprobates. We were saved by God's incredible grace. Don't forget that. See, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best not to forget last week. I walked out of here drenched in the love of not only one man, but the ecclesia. Every one of you who wore black. Every one of you who sang. Every one of you who did different parts of the thing. It drenched me in love. And about five months from now, I'm going, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go eat worms. Big ones and fat ones and little tiny skinny ones. I'm going to go eat worms. It'll happen. But then I'm going to remember. January the 5th. When I walked out of the church. Drenched. Oh, oh listen. Don't forget. What Jesus did for you. Don't let circumstances. Don't let the apparent absence of God. Don't let the silence of God confuse you. He loves you. He loves you. This anchor of love, this anchor of hope proves He loves you. And when Satan whispers in your ear and say, if God loved you this, if God loved you that, you remember. You remember. Calvary. Forgiveness. Grace. Salvation. It always goes back to the cross. I know He loves me because of this. Because of this. Now he goes on and says this. Therefore, on Calvall I've just said, Peter would say, Brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Now this is really cool. Last little tidbit I think was just incredible. The word confirm, confirm there in the Greek refers back to a war, something like a warranty deed. You know, if you buy a house and have a warranty deed, it's a confirmation that you're buying the house. Now listen, these attributes, if they're lived out in your life, can never win God's favor, nor do they need to. But they are an indication, an indicator, an assurance to you. Wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not naturally good. I'm not naturally knowledgeable. I'm not naturally a person of self-control. I'm naturally not a person of endurance. I'm not naturally a person who's godly. I'm not naturally a person who loves people, who has brotherly affection. I'm not naturally a person of love. Whoa, 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 whoa. This has to be something bigger than me. It must be God. And it confirms 
your calling and election. Doesn't save you, doesn't get you favor, but it confirms. See, I know Jesus, my wife. I don't have to get my marriage license out. But if I ever had doubt, if I had amnesia or something, I could somewhere dig up this marriage license somewhere in our files, and it says on June uh, the 26th, 1976. <laughs> just a pause there, honey. I'm 60. I'm just 60. Okay? On June the 26th, 1976, she said, I do. And I said, I do. And we're husband and wife. It confirms it. I know it, but it confirms it. And as we grow in Christ, it confirms our calling in Him. Does that make sense? Come on. Yes, it does. Say yes, it does. Sure it does. It's powerful. See, so many people go through life, I don't know. I hope so. No. He says, make your calling and election sure. Because if you do these things, that's that word do. If you do these things, you're not going to stumble. I love verse 11. And we are D-O-N-E done. D-O-N-E done. <laughs> I feel like that guy, that old McDonald commercial. Oh my God, you know, E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> okay. For in this way, through all of this, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be, now write this down, richly supplied to you. Now, this verse is not about entry. It's about the kind of entry. The, the entry is confirmed because of the melody line, your faith in Jesus Christ. But if, but if we live this stuff out... If we write the symphony and live the symphony out in our lives, there is a very rich welcome. You know, you come to my house. Oh, yeah, come on in. Does that say like you're really welcome? No. And if you got, <laughs> I know the deep, don't feed the preacher signs out. But if you show up at my house with a pecan pie, you're probably going to get a different reception if you came in empty-handed. <laughs> Okay? I mean, it's the truth. Yeah, hey, come on in here. I'm telling you. Listen, the Bible speaks of crowns and rewards. As we live this symphony out in our lives, there is going to be an incredible welcome for us into the kingdom of God. Thank God by His grace. Yes, it's incredible anyway. It's incredible because of His grace. But Peter seems to be saying there is a richly supplied Welcome for those who play the symphony, who are growing. And that makes sense. We know about crowns and rewards and what the Bible says about that. It's scriptural. It's right. It's wonderful. So here we are. So what's the bottom line? Well, the bottom line is this. If today you're here and you came to church, you know, somebody promised you lunch or you want to start a new year right and you decided to come to church today... But you've never really grasped what I understood and spoke about, about Jesus Christ. You know, church can't save you. Religion can't save you. Doing good can't save you. Giving money can't save you. Jesus does all that. And I've got a friend, Brent, who's going to be standing down front here. And, and what we'd like to do is invite you to give you the opportunity to ask questions about what I talked about. Okay, really, who is Jesus? Well, what did he do? And, and am I, you're saying I'm a sinner? And I need grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we would love the opportunity to share some of that information with you. We won't twist your arm or nothing like that. But we want, if you've got questions, we'd like to give you answers today. So during our song time that's coming up as the praise team sings, I'm going to invite you to come take Brent and Brad. I've got some questions. Can you help me with those? And we have some friends. We don't have all the answers, but we have some of the very important answers that you might need to hear. And to my brothers and sisters in Christ, to those of us who are members of the Ecclesia, this really could be a game changer. 
You know, I, I've watched some of us grow. I've seen myself grow and grow older and some in Christ. But this is huge. This might well be the formula you've been waiting on, if there is a formula. I hate these words like that because they can be misunderstood. But the bottom line is, you may, you may have got the fact that, yeah, I'm saved by grace. But you never let the symphony play in your life. And Peter says, if you let the symphony play out in your life, your Christian experience, your Christian relationship, your relationship with Jesus will be so much fuller. And you will benefit. And others around you will benefit. And you know what? You say, well, Dwayne, how do I exactly I do that? Well, you don't need to pray for God to give you goodness or godliness or all that stuff. Because he's already said, well, he said early on, he has given us everything required. So in you is, if you're a Christ follower, is all these attributes. You know, Brent, it's just part of me. Remember that day I waved the big white flag in the old sanctuary? It might just be surrender. God, I'm willing. I give up. Lord, you exercise the godliness in my life. Give me opportunities. The goodness. See what happens as we surrender to God. Let's pray. Hey, God, thank you so much. What a wonderful, wonderful passage of Scripture. And I want to thank you for whoever wrote those words, Symphony of Grace. Father, may we go beyond the melody line. Just the fact that we know Jesus. And may we choose to grow. That we might be the individual and corporate ecclesia that you want us to be. The body of Christ. Father, I pray for my friend here today who may never have um, received that great gift, that wonderful forgiveness. May today uh, be that day. And then, Father, for all of us, all of us, Father, who claim the name of Christ. Father, may we strike up the band. May we lift our arms to lead the orchestra of your grace in our lives. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.